Yeah, you can be uh, opening your Bibles to Ephesians 4. We're going to be uh, starting a new series in the church called Bodybuilding. You'll figure it out eventually. Don't worry, there'll be no pictures of Ricky. <laughs> different kind of bodybuilding, different kind. Uh, but yeah, I was away last weekend. I uh, was asked to go back to the church. I became a Christian in 1995. Uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, they're hosting the International Campus Ministry Conference, or they were, they hosted it last weekend. I was invited back to do some speaking there, and uh, yeah, really, really encouraging, uh, you know, to, you know, to revisit where I became a Christian 23 years later, and to see all that God has, has shown me and brought me through, um, and uh, yeah, it was just a great time, but there were 2,200 university students on fire for God. Uh, it was a great, to me, a great sign of, the, of, of where we're headed, and I believe in the UK, we're seeing that as well, the young people raising up, getting a new vision, a new dream, uh, alongside the older people, because of course the church is meant to, uh, you know, get old and stay young in all parts, you know, old and young fired up together. Uh, but it was just very, uh, I think God is really stirring and awakening uh, the youth over there in the States, specifically, tough word for me, um, and uh, so just, you know, I uh, just want to share that good news, and, uh, and I'm encouraged to see the way God's working on the young people in the UK, I see quite a few young people in the crowd today. Keeping us young here and uh, look forward to seeing how God will raise you guys up uh, in the team ministry and beyond. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 is the text we're going to be looking at. Uh, before I get to that, um, I do want to just say a few thank yous. I said it this morning, but I want to say to a few people that are a part of this service. Uh, we had a great father-daughter dance last night. Uh, I just felt personally very thankful to be a part of a church where people who don't have daughters... Um, show up and volunteer to support men who have daughters who are trying to encourage their daughters to dance. And that's what happened last night uh, from this group, Les Reen and uh, David Brewster and Roy Arthurs and, and Karamat all were very serving and really helped out in great ways. I mean, you know, uh, Karamat, it was like, Karamat had this, this uh, bracelet necklace making room. It was like we are at the jewelry quarter. <laughs> My daughters are like being with all this jewelry they got last night from Karamat. So that, that was pretty awesome. It was just a great night. And again, thank you to all those who helped behind the scenes. Um, yeah, so Ephesians chapter 4, let's read it together. I'm very excited uh, to dig into this uh, great chapter uh, in the book that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Um, and so we're just going to jump on in here and then we'll pray and uh, we'll end our time after we have a few thoughts from God's Word uh, taking communion together. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul says, Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But, verse 7, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when He ascended on high, He took many captives and gave gifts to His people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions, Paul asks. He who descended is the very one who ascends higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. See, then it goes on in verse 11. So, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then verse 14 will no longer be infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. 
For from Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. So this new series is called Bodybuilding. And we're going to talk about you know three kind of ideas throughout this time. The idea of, of healthy people, healthy families, and a healthy church. You know, all this is connected. The individuals in our church, uh, the different families that God's placed us in, literally moms and dads and sons and daughters, but also our spiritual families, our, our family groups we call them in our church, which obviously use the same, the same word there. Uh, and then, of course, if you have healthy people and healthy families, you'll have a healthy church. Amen. Um, and so I'm very excited about this. It's going to be a study together in Ephesians 4, a lot of reflection. A lot of examination, uh, a lot of discussion for everyone who's a member of the Birmingham Church to really be engaged in this process of our church being built up into the body that we want it and we know it could be in Christ. And, and that everyone is really engaged in that process from the youngest Christians to the oldest Christians. And so on the Sundays, we'll be having Bible studies from Ephesians 4. At midweeks, we'll be doing discussions within our family groups. Uh, if your family group is, is, is not well attended at midweek, might be a good time to encourage people to come uh, in your family group if they're not attending. Maybe some people can't. I understand that. Um, and if your family group is, is, is smaller, we, we, we may have the several family groups team up together for these discussions so everyone can be encouraged uh, even at midweek. Um, and then Sunday mornings, also in addition to the sermons, the deacons are going to be meeting uh, with anyone who wants to come and just discuss things uh, for a month in a row, starting on the 22nd of July. They'll have some coffee and you can come in and just ask questions, continue discussions. Uh, and I think that would be a great role for the deacons to play because uh, one of the qualifications of a, of a deacon is that they hold, they hold tr- tr- to the truths of the faith of the clear conscience. And they certainly are men that we've uh, put in those positions who can help with that. Um, so that's kind of the plan moving forward in our family groups. You know, it's going to be kind of like a you know a wedge, if you will. We'll start really wide as a church, and then it'll kind of come down to a point. If that makes sense. Um, we're really going to dive into the word. Really going to dive into what the church should look like and be, and then we're really going to make sure every individual member of the church is there, and they're and they're coming with us, and we're moving forward. I believe God's working. Some great unity within our church right now as we yeah. speak. And, and this is a great opportunity. I know it's the summer. I know some of us will be gone. But this is a great opportunity for the Spirit to keep working, yeah. to keep moving us forward. And so I just ask everyone to give their whole heart to it. If you're away, listen to the sermons. If you missed the midweek, ask, find out what happened. Just really be engaged. Every one of us. And God is going to bless it, I believe, uh, in many great ways. And so we'll just look at two big ideas here. On this great bodybuilding passage in God's Word from Ephesians 4. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, uh, thank you so much for the hope that we have in Christ. Uh, it's just it's exciting to get out of bed every day. Not because we're going to make a bunch of money or we're going to win the World Cup or whatever else that might be motivating us, God. But, but because we are part of a, of a bigger plan. We are part of an eternal purpose, God. Uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 verse 10, just right before, as we read in chapter 4, he said that we have been created and to do works that you prepared for us in advance. I mean, that's exciting. What, what, is, what do you have in store for us, God, today and tomorrow if we're really becoming more and more the people that you want us to be? Please help our study uh, today and in the, in, the, in the month to come, God, or so, to really help us as a church to really unite and become more and more that body, uh, build up more and more that you want us to be, God. We love you. We thank you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, hopefully you're excited. I'm excited um, to, to jump into this. And I think as we dive into this, you're going to see this is not about membership. But discipleship. This is not about you know a church organization, but the kingdom of God. 
The stuff we're going to be talking about is not, it's not, a, it's not church matters. It, it's our salvation matters. It's, these, these things are all so integral. They all work together uh, for our benefit individually and for the benefit uh, of the church. And we know the church's strength then benefits the world. We're meant to be a, you know, a city on a hill, right? A light to the world. Uh, but we know we've got to be that church that God wants us to be. So two big ideas here on bodybuilding from this text we'll talk about here. We'll enter time of communion. Uh, the first is motivation. The first thing here we've got to think about is motivation. Uh, you know, I work out sometimes, sort of, in the gym. Uh, you can't tell. But, uh, uh, and, and sometimes I work out by myself. Sometimes I work out with Hugh McCartney. And I get way more accomplished when I'm working out with Hugh McCartney because he motivates me. Because sometimes I get in there and I'm just like, what's the point? You know, like, I, I don't really want to do this, but I think it's the right thing to do. So I dutifully work out a little bit, you know. But, but when I go play basketball, it's totally different. I don't need Hugh McCartney. I don't need anything. I'm motivated for some reason. And I, and I love playing basketball. And I give my own. And I injure myself. And, I, and when I don't play well, I, I critique my game. And I, 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 I'm going to go back the next time I'm playing the bet. There's just something in me that clicks. And probably for you, you know, there's something in life like that where no one needs to, you know, come along, get in there. No, you just, you want it. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's sport. You know, maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's your job. You know, maybe it's your family. But no one needs to do anything. You're already there because of something that's just been put inside of you. And Paul here, it's interesting when you go through the, the, the book, the first three chapters, he has not given them one command. You can go look at it later. First three chapters, it's all about... What God's already given them, who God already is, and what God's already accomplished because of their Christian faith. It's all about the grace of God. Because of the grace of God, you have this. Because of the grace of God, you have that. Because of God's mercy, you can be, you can be this kind of person. And as a matter of fact, you already are. And over and over and over through these three chapters, which we'll review here in a moment in a different kind of way. And then he gives this first command in chapter 4, which we just read in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, in light of what he's just said in the first three chapters, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So in other words, if if you really get grace, if you really get what God has given you, you'll be motivated. You'll be excited. You'll be eager and willing to become all that he wants you to become. And, And this was originally written as a letter. It's debatable whether it was actually written to the church in Ephesus. Maybe it was a larger letter that was circulated, but we won't get into that. That's theology. But it was originally written as one letter that was to be read as one sentence to the church. So when the church in Ephesus, if they received this letter, they, they, they would have gotten it. They would have unrolled the scroll, and they would have read through the whole thing. And so chapter 4 would have probably arrived around five and a half minutes into the letter, you know, into the letter being read. And so I want us to go there for a moment because, I, again, I think if I could ask you what scriptures you know from Ephesians, they'd all be probably chapters 4, 5, and 6. Because we generally, our default mode in the church is what do I need to do? You know, okay, what do I need to do? It's kind of our default mode, and that's chapters 4, 5, and 6. But really, we should be memorizing as much chapters 1, 2, and 3. But I guarantee if I ask you who knows this verse or this verse in chapters 1, 2, 3, or 4, 4 5, and 6, it's all 4, 5, and 6, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty as charged too. So just, just, I'm going to read from the message version, the first three chapters, and you might think, oh man, yeah, oh man, let's take a step back. If we already feel burdened by hearing three chapters of God's word read to us, we're already missing the whole point. This is the very words of God, this is the riches of Christ, and we get to explore it. 
as we dive into the Bible. So, so buckle in and buckle up. But just sit there. Close your eyes. Just listen. Listen to what Paul is saying that we already had because of the grace of God. Yeah. Ephesians 1. I, this is the message version, Paul, am under God's plan as an apostle, a special agent of Christ Jesus, writing to you faithful believers in Ephesus. I greet you with grace and peace poured out into our lives by God our Father and our Master Jesus Christ. How blessed is God, and what a blessing He is. He's the Father of our Master Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid down the earth's foundations, He had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of His love, to be made whole and holy by His love. Long, long ago, He decided to adopt us into His family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure He took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of His lavish gift-giving by the hand of His beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people. Free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything. Provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans He took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we found out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of salvation, found yourselves home free. Signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I pray, I think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask, ask God, the God of our Master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing Him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what He is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life He has for His followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Chapter 2. It wasn't so long ago that you were admired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we like, felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. 
He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world. And the next, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's, a, it's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does the, both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work he, we had better be doing. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's way had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Had the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this. Both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance with. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name of Christ as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. And we'll conclude with chapter 3. That is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ, having taken up the cause of you outsiders so-called. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everybody. I got the inside story on this from God himself, as I just wrote you in brief. As you read over what I've written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through His holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of Him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promise in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. This is my life work, he goes on to say. Helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. So here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. 
Through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All this is proceeding along the lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in Him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask Him to strengthen you by His Spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite Him in. And I ask Him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know? Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah and Jesus. Glory down all generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. And then he concludes in chapter 4, verse 1 of the message. In light of all this. And that's a lot. Here's what I want you to do. So right back to where we started there. In Ephesians 4 and verse 1. Because of God. We're not saved by works. We're not saved from works. We're saved for works. Did you catch that? Not, not, you know, we're not saved by them. We're not saved from them. We're saved for them. But oftentimes we put the, as you say, right, the, the cart before the horse. Our, oftentimes our response as Christians, unfortunately our default response oftentimes when things are not what they should be or we're not where we need to be is just to, to work. And, and to work. And, and, and the more we focus on that, the more we lose our motivation. Of the inexhaustible riches of Jesus' grace. You know, the fact that, that we're not we're not the backup plan, we are the plan. God doesn't just He doesn't just love us, He likes us. He delights in us. That's what chapters one through three says. Because because of all that God has done for us and because of all that we are, because of God, then you can go after those works. But a lot of times we get it backwards in our faith, and so it just gets dutiful, it just gets it just gets, you know, momentarily good, but it doesn't seem to continue to move forward in triumphal procession. But I think that's really a big reason. Our motivation gets really skewed very quickly. And we really miss uh, the grace of God that really should be our foundation and should be our great motivation in whatever endeavor we want to take on. And so as we approach uh, together as a church this idea of, of building up the body and, and really being a healthy, solid church together, I really want us to, to take a step back. You know, review Ephesians 1-3 through this week, please. Look at it. Dive into it. Think about it. I don't have time to get into it today, but there's so much in there. And that's what Paul refers to. He says, you know, in light of chapters 1-3, through then we can go after chapters 4, 5, and 6. It's so easy, though, to approach God with grit. What can I do to be worthy? Or if I do this, then God will be pleased. But this is putting the cart before the horse. This is undermining the true and pure motivation for real and lasting works. Not our grit, but God's grace. When we really get God's grace, we don't need to, we don't need to work to stoke the fire. The fire's already stoked. Praise God, He saved us. He, he pulled us out of the muck and the mire of sin. And now we have this incredible life before us with incredible potential. And yeah, we won't see all of it come true in this life, but we will the next. If we really wait. 
wake up and get that every day, it can change what we do. And it can change how we go as a church. But it's so easy for us to, you know, and I'm guilty too, it's so easy for us to default to just what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And amen, if all else fails, obey. Amen. But that's, that's default faith. That's not destined faith. God wants us to have so much more in our hearts so He can really move us forward toward greater and greater things. You know, I think about our prayer life. You know, we tend to approach God in one of three ways in our prayer life. Paul, in verse 16, is talking about his prayer life to them. And he breaks out and he describes it. And he talks about the height, depth, and width of God's love. And then he breaks out the doxology. Just like, he's just so fired up as he's praying. I can see him praying, writing, praying, writing. That he just, he praises God at the end of chapter 3. Um, and so our prayer life reveals, I think, what really motivates us. Do we come to God based on what we have done? Hey, God, I've been a good boy, so will you, you know, a good girl. That's one way we might approach God. Another way is we, based on what's been done to us. Oh, God, why this? Why that kind of reacting to life is another way we can approach God in prayer. But the third one, I think, is really where we get the pure motivation, where God can really take us and soar spiritually in life, is based on what God has already done and who He already is. Then we approach God in prayer. Because of who you are and because of what you've already done, then perhaps this is possible. Perhaps, you know, this can happen in my life or in the lives of others. Only the third approach brings lasting security and faith and motivation that can change our lives continually, can change our church and build it into what we all want it to be. So the first thing is motivation. Really taking a step back as a church and saying, are we really motivated by grace? Are really motivated by just who God is and our endeavors together? And really having that motivation purified from God's Word is a great place, I believe, to start uh, as we move forward together. But the other area here, and then we'll take communion, is that of building blocks. You have the motivation here, but then you got this idea of building blocks. Uh, verses 1 through 16 in chapter 4, uh, I believe, kind of consist of eight building blocks that are essential to the church being a healthy church body. Um, and they are much about me individually and you as they are about all of us together. Uh, the first one in verse 1 is just our life. It talks about living a life worthy of the calling you have received. In Ephesians 4 verse 1. You know, there's a pattern, there's a shape of life in Jesus. That's why Hebrews 12 2 says we should fix our eyes on Jesus. Right? And so, so th- there is a life that's Christian that we should be living, right, according to this. Uh, verses 2 through 3 talks about relationships. He says, be completely humble. Let's just stop there. He doesn't say be humble. He says, be completely humble. Oh, man, you know, got me there. You know, I mean, that's, that's such a challenge. But because of the way God treats us, we can do that. It's obviously possible. Or that's torture for Paul to cause us something we cannot do. But when we get with Christ, how he's treated us, we can treat one another uh, with, with utmost humility and work out our differences. So life is a building block. Relationships is another one. Next we have doctrine, the seven ones here. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, verses four to six. You know, our, our doctrine is a building block, and it's a, it's a building block that matters, right? Uh, verse seven, he talks about this, this grace that was given to each one of us. And how Jesus gifted, gave gifts to his people at the end of that uh, little section there. Um, this idea of grace and gifts. So, so another building block I think is grace. And grace shows up in the church today in the form of the gifts that God's given us. That we get to, you know, like Karamat graced my daughters with the beautiful jewelry she made. That was a, to me that was Karamat, you know, she's been given a gift from God and she graced all the ladies there last night at the dance with that, right? That's an example of that. Uh, verse 11, you know, it goes on to talk about leadership. It says, you know, Christ has given the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip them for works of service. So leadership is there to prepare God's people. 
You know, for me, I, that, this is why I always say, please make every meeting that we have. Because for me, uh, as somebody who's supposed to prepare God's people, I only have six meetings a month with the whole church to do that. And whether I'm doing that or someone else is doing that, it's not really the point. The point is we, we all need to be prepared by God's church. And God's put leadership in place to prepare us for, for, for not just duty, but for delight, for something incredible, to be a part of something amazing. Uh, so we need leadership. That's a building block. The next in verse 12 is growth. Growth is mentioned a couple times. Verse 15 is referred to as well as, as a mature body, the church. So it's this idea that the church needs to keep growing. It needs to keep maturing. And that, and that process is never done. That's another building block to me, this, this expectation that we will grow. We will get better. We will change. Verse 13, it talks about unity. It talks about unity as well in verse 3. And, and again, we've been working on that as a church. Our unity is really important to our church health. Uh, another building block, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. Conversation. I'm trying to get rid of the word confrontation, because we often shun at that word, and start bringing in more of the, of, of, of the idea of conversation. We, Martin and I can totally disagree. About whatever, you know. And maybe it's a spiritual matter. And it's a significant spiritual matter. Well, it all depends It all depends how Martin and I approach each other. It, it quickly becomes a confrontation when we're prideful and, and we're judgmental and we're reactive. Or, or we could be polar opposites on an essential doctrine in the church. But if we're respectful of each other, we can actually have a conversation. And then hopefully if we have a real conversation, we can sort out what's true and what's not. Yeah. Uh, and so we've, we've got to learn to speak the truth in love. That's an essential building block to be a healthy church. And the last is verse 16, as each part does its work. Work. We've got to put in the time. We've got, we got to sweat. We've got to lose some sleep. You know, we've got, to, we've got to get up early and stay up late. That's part of building up the church. That is a building block. And so I want you guys to picture what the church can look like a bit. So I need, I need some teams to help me out. I need eight volunteers. So I see four here. These four here can come up front, please. And then four from the back here. Maybe uh, maybe the three in the very back there. And one, maybe yeah, maybe Mateo here on the end. That'd be great. Come on up here. We're going to demonstrate that. You guys can come on the stage here with me. And you guys can be a real, a real example of this. This is exciting. All right. So come on up here on stage. Don't fall off. And so, so who is the head of the church? Jesus, right? And the analogy of the church being the body of Christ is all through this passage we just read. So I'm going to let Mateo, Mateo gets the head of the body, which is Jesus. Handle that well, okay? That's a very important part. So, and then we just went through the different building blocks. Jordan can, can represent the life here. Aaron can represent the relationships. <laughs> yeah. Jessica, our new sister here, can represent the doctrine. Grace can represent Grace Hall. Oh, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Aaron can represent unity, standing leadership. I need one more team, actually. Jada, conversation. I need one more volunteer. Francesca, awesome. Work. That's perfect. Francesca's a work. She's a great worker. So, so what I want you guys to do is, is so, so Mateo is the head, right? He's, he's Christ. He's the head. Um, he's representing on the paper. I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to give you a complex there. But, uh, so can you guys make a body? So if, if Mateo is the head, so that we can all see the body with the papers that you have. These are all blocks. These are all parts. How would you make a body? Some of you saw this this morning. See if you can figure it out. Can you make a representation of, of all these other blocks of the church that looks like a human body. And Christ, so Christ is the head, so that's easy. So Mateo will go right in the middle here, Mateo, right? Nice and high. Nice and high. And in front, in front of everybody. In front of everybody. In front of everybody, yeah. So he's, so everyone has to connect to the head. So how do you make a body? So yeah, there's something in the middle there. There's a bit of a torso. There's an arm. And there's an arm. And this, this is a weird looking body. It looks like a snake right now. So we're going to bring these over. Bring these over. Maybe another hand there connected there. Maybe another hand over here. Sandy, 
come over here, and then maybe put the doctor up, bring it all the way up, Jessica, and if they're Jessica come over here. Yeah, we can need some legs. We don't have legs. I see arms now. I see arms. But I need some legs. I need some legs. So maybe uh, come over here, Jamie, come over here. And then I need some legs off the body here. Can you two represent the legs? Can you put it all together so you can see a human body? you got to bring it together. Bring it together. Bring it. This, is, this is really challenging for you guys. You can do it. You can do it. I still don't see a human body. The papers have to literally touch like they're all on the same plane. And you're making a human body. Right There you go. Okay, maybe we need to yeah. Okay, now, now you just gotta stay there for a moment. I don't have a PowerPoint, you guys are my PowerPoint. Are you guys gonna make the whole 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 shape for a while? So so what we see here is a representation, I think, of, of these eight building blocks coming together under the Lordship of Jesus, and that represents the church, right? It represents the church, and you guys are doing a great job now. Thank you. Hold still. So three things I think to note about this. The first is they all need to be connected for it to be the bottom. When you guys are all spread out, it didn't work, did it? We couldn't. It looked like Java the Hut or something. It just didn't. It didn't work, right? But now that it's come together. I can see as it's connecting the full picture of the church. And isn't that true? The church we're all connected. We're all connected. First Corinthians twelve and other places, right? Remind us of that. And reminds how important it is to stay connected. And everything we do builds up that connection or tears it down, right? And that's why coming to things and really being engaged in this process is very important for the future of the church. Um, you know, my dad, he, he, he got a second hip replaced. So he said both hips replaced now. I just saw him when I was home for a moment. And, uh, you know, his, his, his hips are better now, but his knee's bad. Because what happens is one part of your body starts working improperly. It starts to mess up other parts because it's all connected. And isn't that true? If we, if we, if we aren't really doing a good job of leadership, or we aren't really taking care of the work we ought to take care of, what starts to happen to the rest of the body is it starts to limp. Then it starts to work in a healthy, functional way. It's all connected. We also see it all matters. Which is more important here? Other than Jesus, Jesus is the obvious one. He's the most important. But, but, but he's the head, we're the body. Of the body here, which is most important? All of them. They're all the same. All of them, right? They're all important. You can't say one's more important than the other, right? I mean, we appreciate Jessica holding the doctrine, but, you know, so is conversation by Jada. They're all important. Aaron's got relationships. You know, we don't have great, we can't have great relationships. If we don't have leadership, we're not going to have unity. It all, it all works together. It all matters. And amen, sometimes I think some of it matters more than others. You know, if you're trying to get your left arm as strong as your right arm, you have to work at your left arm more, you know, to get it as strong as your, as your right arm. But you understand what I'm saying. So sometimes we might have to focus, like we're focusing a lot on unity this year, because it's something we believe we never really need to work on. But it all matters. And then lastly here, where does it all come from? It's all from God. If I have a problem with one of these in chapter 4, well... Really, my problem is, is with the God of chapters 1 through 3, isn't it? That's right. If I don't really like that part of the church or that aspect or I have a real issue with that, well, maybe that's more a reflection of me and my relationship with God. Because God has set all this in place. It's not something man invented. It's something God has done. Um, and then even what's scarier, some of you try to just, you know, let's just take this and, you know, let's just, instead, instead of work, let's make it, let's change it to leisure, you know? We, we try to even change it into something else. But again, it's not, it's not our church. It's God's. It's all connected. It all matters. And it's all from God. And we want to have healthy people, healthy families, and we want to be a healthy church. And so this is the vision I want to put out there. I'll show you guys the one I made on my PowerPoint Wednesday. But the team did a great job giving us that vision. Round of applause for the team. All the graphics for people.
do. But thank you, teens. Great work. Great job. You persevered. We were we were artistically and organizationally challenged, but you persevered. And I know I probably didn't help. I didn't give good direction, and uh, but it all came together. Amen. Thank you. Healthy people, healthy families, healthy church. I want us all to be really thinking about that, you know, in this bodybuilding process. We all have an individual responsibility here. Uh, our family groups, I believe, in the church have a very important responsibility here. We're going to be using our family groups as a great format to talk through these things and really make sure we're unified. Uh, and certainly when we all come together, that's also significant. And, and so, you know, none of these meetings are more important than the other. They all matter, as far as I'm concerned, to be in the church that we, we really want to be. And so a couple questions uh, to discuss on Wednesday. Uh, you might want to write them down, um, or at least be thinking about them, because we're going to have these on, on the board uh, Wednesday night, and we're going to really talk about them in our family groups, um, or in a couple family groups together. Uh, the first is, what does it mean to live a life worthy of the calling you have received? Well, so really think about that. You know, Ephesians 4 verse 1, really think about that for yourself. The second is, which bodybuilding block or blocks, those eight that we represented there, do you need to strengthen? Is it life, relationships, doctrine, grace, leadership, growth? Unity, conversation, work, or, or a few of them. I wouldn't pick all of them, that'd be overwhelming, but, but one or two, you know, one or two at least, that you know, I need to get stronger in this personally. And that all of a sudden starts to strengthen the group as a whole. And then third and finally, what does being a healthy member of our church have to do with bodybuilding? What does being a healthy member of our church have to do with this concept of bodybuilding as we've looked at it in Ephesians chapter 4? We're going to end our time today taking communion together. You know, there was a body broken so that we can have this church body. Right? We know that. Jesus' grace was poured out on the cross. And it covers us both ways in this process of bodybuilding. It covers over our weaknesses and our sins. And we definitely need that. Amen. But it also provides... It also gives us His grace, which can provide great things to strengthen the church and to really move us forward together. First uh, Peter two twenty four talks about this uh, provision that Jesus has given us. It says in First Peter two twenty four, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. You know, bodybuilding requires healthy people, healthy families, a healthy church. So the sickness of sin, it must be cured. It must be healed. And the the strength for growth must be provided. And again, Jesus' work on the cross, it does both of those things. So as we bodybuild, we will need grace to be motivated to build the body up. We will also need grace as we as we go because we will sin as we try more and more to become the body of Christ. And as we bodybuild, uh, we also need grace to become a mature body of Christ because only by and through His power, His love, His guidance, and His help can we become that full, mature body of Christ. And so let's think about that with gratitude in our hearts that we have this opportunity before us as a church. Uh, and let's really let the blood of Jesus wash over us and the body to really uh, make us grateful uh, for what we have and for what God is going to do in the weeks and months to come. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll take it into you. Father in heaven, as we just read in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. God, thank you so much uh, that Jesus was willing to allow his body to be broken. So that this this body on earth, God, whether individual or collectively, God, can be made new, can be made whole, uh, and can become more and more, God, what you have prepared it to become. I think about Ephesians 2.10, earlier in the letter, Paul says, we were, we were you know, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which you prepared in advance for us to do. 
How exciting is that, God? You know, what, what do you have in store for us, God? If we get your grace, what do you have in store for us, God? If your grace transforms our lives, what do you have in store for us, God? If we let that blood uh, wash us and renew us and cleanse us, what do you have in store for us, God? Uh, if we really understand uh, what the body of Christ has given us already. So we pray, God, we can get that motivation. You can purify it more and more. But we pray, God, we can get a vision uh, together as brothers and sisters in Christ of what we can do to build up the body. And to do our part, God, to respond to your grace. Uh, to really become more and more the people that you want us to be. We thank you that Jesus allows us to do that through his blood. We thank you that Jesus provides that for us through his body. We pray we can think about that at this time and be uh, really spurred on this week to go after this all the more. And we pray this uh, in Jesus' name.